0: And welcome to 40 going on 14. I am Mike.
1: I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week we're talking about Dr. Doolittle, which poses the question, what would animals say if they could talk? And apparently the answer is mostly shitty one-liners. (laughs) Ta-da! The thermometer!
0: It's trope, one-liner, fart joke. There you go. Solution. Did you just write a sequel? I may have. There's already like six of them. Which is six too many. Yes. Guess what we're doing? Doctor Doolittle, the Eddie Murphy 1998 Eight. film against 2000s, 2020, 2020s. If that year didn't suck enough, Robert Downey Junior.'s. Hey, let's make a movie, honey. Okay.
1: Yep. Filed under the why did we do this show? Because it was there.
0: <laughs> yep. Checking off boxes.
1: So if you like checking off boxes, you might want to check off a few of the boxes of the shows on Geek Life Radio, where you can find all sorts of things, including All Things Transformers, The Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, HTML All The Things, and of course, Geek Life's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, The What was that?
0: I I don't know. That's not it. No. No? That wasn't it? Okay. Well, all right. (laughs) He's sure trying. He is. He's giving a great effort. He really is. If you'd like to hear more of a great effort, you can find our shows on Apple and Google Podcasts. We're on Podbean, Blueberry, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Podcasts. And if you'd like to call and leave us a message, you can go to 708-NOW-RAP at 708-669-9727. Or you can click on our Contact Us link on our Facebook page and join us on our Discord. Lots of chat there. Today's conversation was about
2: various at, meats and drinks yeah
0: meats and drinks it tends it tends to lean towards meats and drinks
2: yeah
3: we have meats a lot of food and sharing and drink and, drinks drinks and, drinks and sharing. meats and drinks and meats and drinks
0: yeah so
2: hopefully join the, us hopefully the music and concert channel will pick up a little bit now that people are starting to go out a little more
3: yeah now that there are music and concerts that aren't virtual
2: well there, there are music even during the pandemic music doesn't
1: stop no
2: now. i mean like, like concert ish
1: like live concert
2: you went to a fish concert
3: no, no, I can't see Josh at a fish show.
2: No,
1: I went to that uh, Metallica at the drive-in thing.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. Oh, neat.
3: Got to judge a battery. What? Oh, you're in a car at the Metallica. They
1: sh- actually did that song.
3: They did battery?
2: Yeah. Yeah, they did a little order- bit from all the way back. In order I to know. drive there, you had to get some fuel.
3: Uh, <laughs> I
1: think <laughs> they did that song as well. Wait a minute. <laughs> in fact, I'm sure they did both of those songs. <laughs> Nice. Cool. Well, Josh, you think it's about that time? I think it's about that time.
4: This week in music, movies, and TV.
2: And sports. <laughs> you always That's, a it. Pretty good. That's a pretty yeah. good one this week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a drunken Elmo. That's good. <laughs> so this week we're going with December 19th, 1967, the premiere of the first Dr. Doolittle movie.
3: All right, so uh, music, the number one song in the land was Daydream Believer by the Monkees. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah.
3: It it's, all comes back around.
2: Now you know why he's on this Monkees kick.
3: It's a good that, song.
2: That and the, the Monkees in the movie.
1: Right.
3: I've
2: always been a fan of the Monkees. Not sure why. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, it was in reruns, like in syndication when we were growing up, and I remember watching it. And, I mean, the songs are all catchy and fun to sing, and there's yeah, nothing wrong with it. They're yeah. a big influence on the Beatles.
1: Although they uh, <laughs> lied to us, telling us that Davy Jones was the lead singer when he really did nothing. Occasionally hit a tambourine. They shoved him in a locker.
3: Yeah.
1: He taught Axl Rose how to dance. <laughs>
3: uh, give me some whiteout. All right. Uh, the Beatles released Christmas Time is Here Again on December 20th.
2: I don't even know that song.
3: I was hoping somebody would, because I, I well, died. Christmas
2: song. Time I time is Here
1: Again. Hmm. I figured that was the name of an album that had, like, Wonderful Christmas Time or something on it. But that's a song, isn't it? Huh.
3: Christmas yeah. time is here I
0: again. Oh. No? I, I was thinking I, of the Horatio Sands. None of those
2: can be it, I'm sure.
0: I'm sure. It's just like the the monkeys thing. Eventually they're going to type up something about the Beatles.
2: Because I'm thinking, you know, it's got to be something good. But then again, you know, he someone did just reference the you know, Wonderful Christmas Time, which is a horrible Christmas song. I don't care what Joel says.
3: Well, when, when did that ever change? <laughs> Moving on, Ian Anderson and Glenn Cornick formed the rock group Jethro Toll on December twentieth. Hey, Aqualung <laughs>
2: <laughs> Okay, I appreciate the way he said that. So, <laughs> I'm
1: gonna one slide.
3: Yeah,
2: that is a serious callback. <laughs>
3: A little, uh, Anchorman reference.
4: <laughs>
3: and finally, oh. Oh, a little bit of a little bit of a big one here. The title of your sex tape. Born December twenty second, Rick Richard James Ritchie Edwards, also known as Ritchie James or Ritchie Manic, was a Welsh musician who was a lyricist and rhythm guitarist of the alternative rock band Manic Street Preachers. Pe- he was known for his dark, politicized, and intellectual song, intellectual songwriting. Which I'm not intellectual, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Which, combined with an enigmatic and eloquent character, has assured him cult status. Edwards disappeared on February 1st, 1995. In 2008, his parents obtained a court order naming them as executors of his estate, and further stating that he died on or since February 1st, 1995. <clears throat> the ninth album by Manic Street Preachers, also the acronym of the week, JFPL.
1: I'm pretty sure that's Joel Fights Paul Lind. <laughs> <laughs> winner gets center square i would pay to see that fight (laughs) i knew that would be a hit with you (laughs) too
0: let's go has any Uh, of us done a poland
1: impersonation yet yeah i'm pretty sure it happened when we did the bewitch show yeah Uh, yeah yeah that is Uh, actually
2: journal for plague lovers sorry journal for plague lovers
3: which is composed entirely of songs with lyrics uh that left behind by Edwards as of 2005 the remaining members of Manic Street Preachers were still paying 25% royalties into an account in his name what a jip man what the hell
0: that's wild well if he disappeared it's one thing you know if he they found the dead body or found his right hand floating in a brook somewhere, that's something else.
2: And if they're still doing songs that he wrote, I mean, you know, somebody needs to get those songwriting royalties and next that's of wild. kin, I guess, is, you know. You know, you honestly,
1: pick.
0: good on them. You know, they did the right thing. I mean, granted, it didn't go anywhere, but I mean, yeah, you know, if he ever shows back up, man, he's going to need money. We better... <laughs>
2: I, seriously, I seriously doubt they're putting it in a fund for him.
3: Yeah, I'm sure his parents are putting it towards whatever expenses they have.
2: All right, moving on to movies.
1: The number one movie in the land was Gone with the Wind, which reached number one in its third week of reissue.
3: Well, you got to think at the time there was no Netflix or streaming services or movie rentals or Mm -hmm. anything. Well,
2: shit, I don't don't find it hard to believe that if we reissued some movies nowadays, they could possibly take over the number one spot.
1: Uh, I don't know, man. Just like correcting for inflation, "Gone with Wind" has such a lead, just based on part of what Joel's saying is there weren't so many movies coming out. It's been reissued so many times.
2: Yeah, but if they reissued E. T., I
0: wouldn't put go that see back it. in
2: the theaters.
1: I think they did.
0: They did.
2: Yeah, and I'm saying, I'm saying if they did it again. I mean, they've, they've already done it once. I'm saying they could do that one again. That is a timeless classic movie.
3: I mean Fathom has events where they'll re-release stuff in limited runs, but like right, but I'm talking release? about like
2: if they did a nationwide re-release of E. T. or a movie okay. similar to that.
3: Star Wars oh no, they already did that.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing is the landscape right now is crowded with other stuff that you can't just watch on demand. I don't know. Like, I I get what you're saying, but I think that there's a particular time and place that gave Gone with the Wind its lead. And unless you could like get everyone's attention away from everything else that's coming out on Netflix and Hulu and in the theaters, otherwise, it'd be really hard to ever catch it. I'm I'm
3: trying to think of a movie that would have that sort of you
2: know Home Alone. They uh, really if they re-release that at Christmas time, it might catch on.
0: Maybe.
1: Yeah, I, I just, I don't know that it would even hit number one again. I'm not sure anything, I, I can't think of a single movie that would hit number one again.
0: Yeah, because half the people would be like, oh, it's on again. The other half would be like, hey, I pirated it. Right. Huh. It's not like Home Alone is something you need to see the in the Godfather theater. on screen. Maybe. The Avengers, again. The Avengers. So,
1: anyway, the Silver know. Bridge collapsed over the Ohio River on December 15th, killing 46 people. Wow, that's a subject change. <laughs> in his books operation trojan horse and the mothman prophecies author john keel linked the silver bridge collapse to alleged sightings of the legendary mothman the story was adapted into a film the mothman prophecies re-released no released in 2002 not a great movie i, okay, I thought so this is the original event in 67 correct okay oh.
3: got it. i had clicked away for a moment and all I, I i heard you when the way you paused i was like is that it how does that have to do with movies? And then you kept going because uh, I wasn't reading. But have any of you, any of the rest of you, seen the Mothman? Yeah. Prophecies?
0: Pat, Pat and I watched it together. Yep. I don't think I've ever
3: seen it. Richard Gere. I was underwhelmed. it's,
2: it's got worth, some creepy moments, but you know. Yeah, it,
0: it's worth it's worth watching it at home. I wouldn't go to the theaters again. To see Correct, it. Correct. Yeah. yeah.
2: Watch it in the dark, and it's got its own. <laughs> it's got moments that that'll creep you out. But if once you sit and analyze it after you're done watching it, you're like, hey. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Was that the film that introduced EVP to, like, popular culture? I think that was White Noise.
2: Yeah, White With Noise, definitely. Michael White Keaton. Noise. Okay. And Paranormal Event. Well, Mothman Paranormal before Activity. Yeah, Paranormal, Paranormal Activity. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, White Noise was the very first one. Yeah.
1: Okay.
3: Which also was not a great film.
1: No. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Miranda Otto, born on December 15th, is an Australian actress who appeared in a variety of independent and major studio films in Australia from the age of 18. She made her major film debu- debut in Emma's War, a World War II period piece. Otto gained Hollywood's attention during the 1990s in films such as The Thin Red Line and What Lies Beneath. She's best known for her role as Eowyn in the Lord of the Rings series, based on the classic fantasy novel of the same name.
3: That's uh, that's
1: three solid
3: films. Thin Red Line, What Lies Beneath, and Lord of the Rings. Well, What is, is the whole series. Is that, Mich- is that the one there in France? That's one with Michelle Pfeiffer and... Uh... Harrison Ford, it's like a ghost story.
1: Yeah, I think you're thinking of As, a, as, as above, above, So Below. So below yeah. yeah, okay, that's what I'm thinking of, yeah.
3: Also a decent found footage film, but... Yeah. Yeah, What Lies Beneath was surprisingly good. Like, I was went into it, and I was like, a big Hollywood ghost story with a lot of names and the famous director, and I was pleasantly surprised at how good it was, if you like ghost stories. Yeah,
1: yeah man, I thought What Lies Beneath was pretty good. Stuart, Stu Irwin, was an American actor of stage, film, and television. He broke into the film scene in 1928 in Mother Knows Best, and he co-starred with Bing Crosby in the comedy The Big Broadcast. He was in Pigskin Parade, for which he was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. In the year 1940, he was in Our Town, based on the Thornton Wilder play. He was also in Bambi, Son of Flubber, The Misadventures of Merlin Jones. In 1950, Irwin made the transition to television in which he starred in Trouble with Father, which was retitled The Stu Irwin Show, with his co-star and real-life wife, June Collier. He played in The Greatest Show on Earth, Crossroads, Angel, Bonanza, The Donna Reed Show, Straightaway, Perry Mason, Father Knows Best, and Our Man Higgins. Irwin died of a heart attack on December 21, 1967, in Beverly Hills at the age of 64. Absorbed. Has a lot of freaking titles.
0: I'm guessing Angel isn't the one with the vampires. (laughs) No.
3: Yeah, that's what I thought first. I'm like, he was an angel? I think he was dead by then.
0: Oh, yeah. Hmm. Our
2: man Higgins is not about Steve Higgins, (laughs) the sidekick of Jimmy Fallon.
0: Well, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, that's
1: that's where I was going with that.
0: I wanted
2: to make sure we all knew that.
0: That's why the talent is a talent, I suppose.
1: All right. The Graduate, an American comedy drama film directed by Mike Nichols, starring Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft, was released on December 22nd. It won the Academy Award for Best Director. Cuckoo-cuckoo, Mrs. Robinson.
0: Are you trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson?
3: <laughs> With your current, like, nasally tone?
0: With <laughs> my allergies and make me sound like Dustin Hoffman. You sound
3: vaguely like Dustin Hoffman,
0: yeah. Great. I don't know how to take that, but... Uh. Hooray. Yeah. All right. So, TV. The top shows in the land <laughs> were The Andy Griffith Show, The Lucy Show, Bonanza, and Gunsmoke.
3: Hey, there's another whif- whistling re- reference. Wh- whiffling reference? Whiffling? <laughs> <What> is- <laughs> whistling reference. The Andy Griffith Show.
2: Okay.
0: Also, I'm, I'm glad you
2: cleared up which one you were talking about.
3: Whiffling, 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 <laughs> whiffling in the dark. <laughs> whiffling in the dark.
2: Oh, my, my favorite painting is Whiffler's Mother.
3: <laughs> i to play some whistle ball.
0: <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing tonight. That's what it's going to be. Whiffling and whistling. All right. Christopher Nicholas Saratankos, born December 19th, is known by the stage name Chris Angel. Oh, boy. Yeah. He is an American magician and musician. Musician? Hmm. He is known for starring in the television and stage show Chris Angel, Mind Freak. And his previous live performance show, Chris Angel, Believe, in collaboration with Cirque du Soleil at the Luxor Casino in Las Vegas. The show generated $150 million in tourist revenue to Las Vegas in 2010, but has since been replaced by Mind Freak Live. He also starred in the television series Chris Angel, Believe. Be live? Believe? Bye. Be live. Be live. Chris Angel must have had a seizure when he wrote that. I don't.
2: I don't think you're supposed to like accent that. It's just for print purposes. I thought thought it was like a (laughs) newsblot
0: phenomenon, and the 2014 stage show, Chris Angel Magic Jam. angel has been on prime magic jam Not <laughs> great got at that he's, not,
2: he's good at magic not great at naming things yeah good at the would first like name
0: taste my magic jam <laughs> <laughs> now he's waiting tables would you like some
2: magic jam
0: for your toast <laughs> no um we profit yes, from word. our
2: slut dragons <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you say luck dragon slut dragons No, you broke me there. Uh, Angel has been on primetime television for more hours than any other magician in history, between his television series and various specials on cable and network television. He holds multiple world records made during his magic performances and was named Magician of the Decade in 2009 and Magician of the Century in 2010 by the International Magician Society. In addition to his career as an illusionist, Angel was the lead singer for his industrial band, wait for it, angel dust which released five albums between 1998
1: and 2003 i'm not proud that i knew that the name of his band was angel dust
0: well it's because he couldn't come up with anything that was chris dust or anything like that they go on tour with seven dust (laughs) he also authored the book mind freak secret revelations
2: yeah Uh,
3: i like when they riffed on him on uh uh community
2: that, one, that was pretty good, yeah. And then the other one was—you uh, ever seen the viral video of the the guy in the alley that keeps messing with the two guys changing yes. their drinks and everything? Yeah, fucking yeah. <laughs> hilarious. That's not Chris Angel though. That's um, that's the other street. Oh, episode. David Blaine. That's right. David, that Blaine. David Blaine. Blaine. Oh, yeah, you right. That's right. That's right. Get away
0: from us, David Blaine. <laughs> oh, he put my—he changed my soda. <laughs> On December twenty-first, the only guest for a highly rated holiday episode of the Dean Martin Show were the family members of Dean and Frank. Wow.
1: Oh. That'd be pretty cool.
0: That I is think pretty
2: it, cool. It, yeah, if they treated it like a, you know, hanging out with our families <laughs> at Christmas kind of thing.
1: I'm sure they did that. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if David
3: Blaine had a band, like the Blaine White Tees or something like
4: that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Normally I'd want to dunk on you for just setting up for that joke, but it was pretty good. <laughs> hmm. Blaine White.
2: He's goddamn it, That's funny. (laughs) That's good. Tears in the Blaine. That that would be the that'd be the one he'd actually use. Sadly, yours is good, so he would have to go with mine. All right, moving on. Mine Blaine. (laughs) Anyway, to sports. Maurice Samuel Mo Vaughn, MLB first baseman, American League MVP in 1995, and All Star in 95, 96, and 98 for the Boston Red Sox. Was born December 15th in Norwalk, Connecticut.
0: And what happened in 97?
2: Yeah. Uh, the accident.
0: Pine tar incident. Um, I don't know enough about ty- pine tar to disagree with you on that, so I'm just gonna go,
3: man. <laughs> the only reason I know about that is because of George Brad. Because anyway. of Len Bias? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a Len Bias, yes.
2: <clears throat> and lastly... Roland Irwin Christopher Holder, born December 22nd in Port of Spain, Trinidad, is a cricketer who played the majority of his first-class cricket for Barbados. He also played 11 tests and 37 one-day internationals for the West Indies between 1993 and 1999. In a 16-year career spanning from 1986 to 2002, he compiled 5,945 runs in 105 games at an average of 3786 In 2004, Holder was appointed manager to the Barbados Cricket Team, having spent a number of years as a senior member of the West Indies Players Association.
3: Aw, no new words today.
2: Nope. There was nothing fun in his whole biography, so...
0: Screw off, Mr. Holder. I was going to say solid career, Mr. Holder, but apparently not. Didn't realize Joel held such strong opinions. Yeah, he and I have had words.
2: If you don't entertain Joel, you get told off.
0: Yeah. That's why his dog is so neurotic. Entertain me.
2: <laughs> All this dog does is lay around and eat. <laughs> like a soft keyboard, Joel. It's
1: kind of like living with you guys. Just gonna say he had at least one roommate that just did that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> nah, 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 nah,
0: nah, nah. <laughs> All right, so then, Dr. Doolittle has a storied history going as far back to the 20s. I did not realize that it was that old. Uh, the books, Dr. John Doolittle is a character of a series of children's books by Hugh Lofting, starting in 1920 with the story of Dr. Doolittle. He's a obviously a physician who shuns human patients in favor of animals with whom he can speak their own languages. He later on appears in, uh, well, I'm sorry, he first appeared in illustrated letters to his children written from the trenches during World War I, when actual news, he later said, was either too horrible or too dull, which is kind of a cool source for a book Mm -hmm. Uh, they're all set in victorian england where dr john doolittle lives in a fictional english village of Puddleby on the marsh he's got some animals that usually hang with him including polynesia the parrot gub gub a pig jip a dog dab dab a duck chi chi a monkey tutu there's a there's a theme going here an owl and the push me pull you and a mouse simply named Whitey. He also had a couple human friends, Tommy Stubbins and Matthew Mugg, the Cat's Meats Man. Cat's Meat Man.
2: <laughs> I, f- I feel like you just described <laughs> a fever dream you had. Right?
0: <laughs> I've been on allergy pills all day. It may have been. It's... I'm sitting in the kitchen talking to Gub Gub. <laughs> and the Cat's Meats Man will be here soon just a moment ago the care bears were here you know that's why i'm so glad nobody had camera phones when i was in the hospital and on morphine Ah, oh, missed opportunity to hear suzanne tell it she's like i had no concept of time i would close my eyes and wake up and be like why is it not nighttime you know and then just random random like papa smurf showed up at one point so uh eventually well, mor-
2: uh, morphine actually made me happy believe it or not
0: Really? That's a terrible thing.
2: Right? I was actually, like, smiling, like, hey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you doing here? That would freak me out. <laughs> this is Patrick doing all the smiley stuff. All right, so eventually this would expand into a 15-book series between 1920 to 1952. Now, the first movie came out in 1967. It was a musical comedy star uh, directed by Richard Fleischer and starring Rex Harrington, among others. Uh, It was kind of based off of the three books, Story of Dr. Dolittle, The Voyages of Dr. Dolittle, and Dr. Dolittle's Circus, because combining three books together is exactly what you want when you want an almost three-hour movie. I'm so glad we didn't do this. I don't know if I could have taken that much Rex Harrington. So they apparently tried to do movies as starting as early as the 20s in the 60s helen winston acquired the film rights got passed back and forth until finally they uh, shot this one and it was uh, notoriously wrought with problems Uh, It had complications of poorly chosen shooting locations, creative demands from Harrison, and the numerous technical difficulties inherent with the large number of animals required for the story. And the film exceeded the original budget of $6 by three times.
1: Hmm.
0: And along with things like, we probably shouldn't have the prey animals near the... the The predator animals. They had a couple instances like that. Also, some of our
1: stars keep eating our other stars. <laughs> yeah.
0: Also, Rex, get off Samantha.
3: <laughs>
2: usually, usually that only happens at the Olympics.
0: There apparently was other problems with Rex Harrison not entirely pleased that his co-star was also getting good billing from this. And people didn't want to work with him because apparently Rex Harrison was a huge anti-Semitic. Oh. Yeah, that came out in some of the... Some of the uh, research i did
2: i did not see that coming
0: yeah (laughs) also moving on to oh wait i'm sorry this one actually uh earned nine academy award nominations including best picture and one for best original song and best visual effects so there you go but all in all it was a bomb now dr doolittle 1998 is the one that we watched fantasy comedy film with directed by betty thomas written by larry levin and nat malden uh, Eddie Murphy, Ozzie Davis, Oliver Platt, all based off the series of the same name, but does not have any connection to any of the actual stories.
3: What? Yeah, I find I know, that right? hard
0: to believe. Who knew? Um, this one, however, was a box office success. It was received warmly by the audiences who praised its humor and themes. However, it got mixed reviews from the critics, as they always do. It did generate one theatrical sequel, Dr. Dolittle 2, and three direct-to-videos. Doolittle 3, Doolittle tail to the Chief. That sounds like a porno. That <laughs> <It> totally sounds, <laughs> yeah. And Doolittle Million Dollar Mutts. Which would
3: also lend itself to another one with Million Dollar Muffs.
1: <laughs>
0: rough, rough.
3: They're like a doggy style.
1: Okay, he's back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> back again.
0: <laughs> Joel is back.
2: Don't tell anyone.
0: Okay. All right, so this is directed by Betty Thomas, who has done such things such as 28 Days, John Tucker Must Die, and Troop Beverly Hills.
3: Yeah, you guys Oof. know Betty Thomas.
2: She was an actress. Yeah, she was in uh, <clears throat> Beverly Hills. or Not Beverly Hills. Uh, Hill, Street Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And Hugh Lofting,
0: oh, I'm sorry, not Hugh Lofting, Nat Malden, screenplay. Hugh Lofting's dead, long time dead before this showed up. Good for him. Uh, Also did... (laughs) Good for him for
2: being dead. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Good job, sir.
2: Good job. Don't steal my lines, Mike.
0: (laughs) Was also a writer for Barney Miller, Open Season, the animated movie, and uh, The In-Laws, which is another movie that we have to have on our our list.
3: Do we? It's in the list, but it's, yeah, it's not coming up fast or anything.
0: Yeah. And then Larry Levin, who also uh, did part of the screenplay, (laughs) who did I Love You, Man, and was a writer for Bakersfield PD. I don't know what that is. I'm guessing
2: it's a cop show. Yeah, it's a cop show. Damn yeah, yeah.
1: I can't remember if that was... Was that a TV show? Because that yeah. sounds
0: familiar. I think it was. I'm trying to look it up, but I'm having trouble. All right. Bakersfield. You look that up, and I'm going to start rolling with the... <clears throat> so cast, Eddie Murphy has Dr. John Doolittle. Ozzie Davis is Archer Doolittle, his dad. Oliver Platt, pretty funny, as Dr. Mark Weller. Peter Boyle as Calloway, being his Peter Boyleish. Richard Schiff as Dr. Gene Gino Rice. Kristen Wilson as Lisa Doolittle. Jeffrey Tambor as Dr. Fish. Kyla Pratt as Maya Doolittle. Raven Simone, a very young Raven Simone, <clears throat> as Sharice Doolittle. Stephen Gilborn as Dr. Sam Litvek. Eric Dellums as Jeremy. And June Christopher as Diane. Now, those are all the humans in this flick. We had, for the voices... Starting out, Norm MacDonald as Lucky, the dog that John adopts. And how happy I was to hear a movie that starts with narration by Norm MacDonald. I'm like, yes, there's going to be some some things I'm going to laugh at because Norm MacDonald is here. Chris Rock as Rodney the guinea pig. Albert Brooks as <clears throat> Jacob the Bengal tiger. Ellen DeGeneres as the prologue dog. Brian Doyle Murray as the old beagle. Jenna Elfman as the owl. Gilbert Gottfried as compulsive dog. Julie Kavner as a female pigeon. Gary Shandling is the male pigeon. John Legaziamo is rat number one, two. Renee Santori as rat number one. Philip Proctor as a drunk monkey. Paul Rubens as a raccoon. And Tom Towles <clears throat> as a German Shepherd.
3: Uh, so Bakersfield PD, uh, American sitcom that was on Fox uh, from 1993 to 94. Weird cast for a sitcom. Giancarlo Esposito, Ron Eldard. And Brian Doyle Murray. Those are the three main names that people what? would probably huh. know. Yeah, Huh.
2: And Pat Morita.
3: <laughs> As the Joker. Ah, uh, yeah, no. Weird. Weird. No wonder
0: it didn't go anywhere. Uh, but anyway. Okay. All right. On. So trivia. Eddie Murphy is terrified of live animals. So no wonder he would make the best person to play <laughs> in a movie surrounded by animals. Uh, He insisted that as many as possible be superimposed digitally in the scenes. And when he couldn't avoid acting in the same room as an animal, the shots frequently ended with Murphy screaming.
3: Right. It's like, hey, uh, we'd like you to be in this movie. Uh, it's about you and basically animals. I mean, there's other people, but primarily it's animals. You're afraid of animals? Uh, perfect.
0: It would be
2: like casting me in Joe's apartment. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say, you in a movie with cockroaches. That would yeah. be great. Or, or me in a remake of The Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right?
0: But then
3: Amazing! he was in the sequel. I mean, what, what, what were they thinking?
1: Well, what he was thinking was,
0: damn, I made <laughs> a lot of money <clears throat> off of that. Yeah. I'm going to do it again. And by the second one, he's like, I've made enough money. I'm not playing with animals anymore. Now
3: I can finally make Pluto Nash.
0: Ooh, yeah. What happened then? All right. Some of the newest technological innovations use 2D imaging for the mouths of the animals. They're filmed moving their mouths naturally, and in post-production, the movements were manipulated frame by frame (gasps) to make it seem as if the animal's forming the words with its own teeth, lips, and tongues. What? Yes. They didn't really talk, Joel. Oh. I'm sorry. This differs from the imaging done in the film Babe from 1995, where all the animal mouths were 3D images. For Babe, computer-generated mouths were superimposed on the animal actors. Although that technology was advanced for its day, the newer, more precise 2D imaging in Doolittle takes the animals to a new level of photoreality. Or does it? it I'm going to per- say maybe. It was pretty I good.
2: I wouldn't really say that I noticed like a huge difference.
0: Did you watch Babe, too?
2: Not today, but I have seen Babe.
3: Yeah, but they used it for Eddie Murphy, too. Oh. <laughs> but you didn't notice that.
2: Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murphy was asleep the whole time. They just superimposed his eyes and <laughs> was he, mouth. It was yeah.
0: either asleep or screaming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah,
1: they pulled the old Mr. T from the A-Team. They slipped something into his milk and just... <laughs> I
0: don't know, What's my cheeseburger?
1: <laughs>
2: Weekend at Eddie Murphy's.
0: <laughs> wow, that'd be a movie. Trannies and... I
3: don't know. Anyway.
0: Yikes. So many of the scenes called for animals, uh, for an animal's double when Rodney, the guinea pig, rides along the top of the moving vehicle while its cage is tied to it or has a mishap in the ladies' room he's almost flushed down the toilet. Believe it or not, those were puppets. <gasps> an animatronic guinea pig was used. Rodney, though, was well-trained in many behaviors mm-hmm. to his credit, biting his cage, moving to specific placement marks, and sitting up on cue. He also had live guinea pig doubles also, and several of them were trained so that each one specialized in a different behavior. Other animals which had specially designed matching animatronics included Lucky, the two rats, the owl, Jacob, the pigeons, and everything else. Well, Lucky's
1: had... animatronic occasionally looked bad.
0: Not very often, but occasionally. Yeah. Now, all the animatronics were done by Henson. Oh, really? All right, I'm going to pause the recording because Patrick is offline. Oh. Yeah. All right. That. Let's do this. All right. So I'm going to pick up with, is this a first viewing for any of us? Because I don't, that'll. No, that, I've seen it before. Okay. <laughs> Not yet, Patrick.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm just <laughs> fucking with Mike. Nice.
0: And then you, is this first viewing for any of us? Yes, for me. I've never seen this before. In fact, I, I never time. even, I didn't even watch it for the show.
2: I didn't even know this existed before the show. All
0: right. Five, four, three, two, one.
2: You know, I've never seen this before. Oh, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Such a
0: fucking joke.
2: Sorry. Because the other side
0: of my brain is going, you know he's going to do it. (laughs) All right. Five, four, three, two, one. So I doubt it, but is this a first viewing for any of us?
1: No, but the first time I saw it, because cause we all know I'm huge on family comedies. Mm. And Eddie Murphy. Was a very long time ago. Yeah, this is for, I think I talked about this when we did Coming to America and maybe even, uh, uh, the Rudy Ray Moore show it is that like, this is in the period of Eddie Murphy's career where I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? <sighs> So I saw it when it first came out, but this was like before we get into the real dearth, like the Nutty Professor and shit. So I saw it, but I barely remembered it, and I remembered not liking it.
3: Uh it's it's. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never watched it start to finish. So it's half of a first viewing, I guess. Yeah, I'm and, the same. Yeah, with you.
2: I, I I saw this uh, once long ago when it first came out. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but I I saw it on cable. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've seen snippets of it, but it never really was never said, wow, that's something that should be on my playlist. Because, honestly, outside of uh, Norm McDonald doing the voice of the dog, nothing of this was funny.
1: Uh, well, well, okay, this was not good. I could start like that, but it was not anywhere as near as bad as I remembered it. Okay.
5: Um,
1: th- that doesn't elevate it to good, but like, I expected to really suffer through it. And there is a bit of – there was a famous internet criticism of, like, every DreamWorks movie where the only joke is, hey, that animal's saying things that an animal wouldn't normally say while making a stupid face. That's this entire movie. Like, they don't say funny things. They just say, oh, wow, an animal wouldn't normally say that. That must be the joke. Like like the pigeon at the
0: at the outside tables going, watch out, I'm flying here. Right. Or, or um, Godfather references. Right, yeah, or it's or it's you know
3: something borderline gross-out humor like the uh, the thermometer in the butt that was just unnecessary.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, why did we have to take it that far? What
0: was the point of that? Because you—that's the the formula <clears throat> that we said. You've got a butt joke, a fart joke, some sort of plot, and my question is for this going back to actual like words spoken by humans in this movie. So the dad called an exorcist on the kid because he was talking to animals and then eventually realized that the kid actually could talk to animals, but decided not to bring it up for 35
1: years. Right. (laughs)
3: Just let him suffer and feel like he's crazy. And
1: he wants to talk about giving lessons about how to be a good parent.
0: Yeah. You know what you do? You discover their their amazing gift that they have, beat it out of them, and then ignore it for their entire adult life.
1: Let them go to a mental institution when they claim they have it.
0: Right. Right.
2: And get rid of their best friend.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Poor Ellen DeGeneres. She had such a short life. <laughs> she went to go live on a farm,
0: <laughs> far away. And uh, no,
3: did she anybody went to else sleep with the fishes? Because <clears throat> uh, she's
2: Dory. See what I did there? Uh,
3: just keep swimming, Patrick. Ah, uh, speaking of fish, did anybody else feel like Doctor Fish was unnecessary? That that whole character was just I that mean, was.
0: That was the, the veterinarian?
3: Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor's character. Yeah, that I, was I, I mean, it's almost like they were setting him
0: up to be like the bad guy or something. And I he was, just that would have made more sense. That would that would have been a a marginally better movie than this. If there's you know, the, the veterinarian, oh man, he speaks to animals. I'm gonna capture him and force him to ask the animals what's wrong with them and I'll be the most successful veterinarian in the tri state area or something like that, versus this old guy from college. Basically, it's the old guy from college hates me, and now I'm in his mental institution. So I'm going to give him a a Spanish orangutan to talk to. (laughs) Uh. That orangutan was an asshole. Because at one point, don't you think the orangutan would go, no habla ingles,
1: instead of just sitting there like a dumbass the whole time?
3: Yeah, I felt like that was also...
1: (sighs) It's a little tone-deaf, too. Like, when it finally talks, uh, not only is it doing an over-the-top Hispanic accent, but it, the line they chose for it was, I, I don't... Inappropriate. I'm not going to go so far as racist, but there, there's... It's... Uh, in that area there...
0: I'm not even sure what he said.
1: He was... Uh, he immediately, like, asked if he knew Will Smith or something like that. Oh, jeez. But, yeah, that... I mean, everybody actually acts... acts
0: contrary to how any other human being would act if you're out in the wilderness your husband you come outside there's dozens of animals around your husband he flips out drives off in the car and you just go back to bed you know as you do i don't know
3: and uh, what an underutilization of paul giamatti going back to uh oh yeah the the, the
1: college kid arch nemesis yeah. so to speak i mean I don't he know. was barely paul giamatti at this point though <laughs> Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot he was. I was. I, had a, uh, I was sort of thinking like Paul Giamatti was in this.
3: It, it yeah. was such a small, you know, such a small role that was. Uh, I don't know. It just there was so much talent in this, and it was like they just uh, just had this throwaway script, and they figured, well, if we put enough stars in it, maybe it'll work.
0: Anybody and anybody want? Oh,
3: sorry. I was just gonna say it just felt like a bunch of like you guys were saying a bunch of throwaway lines that they just did because funny. I was going to say,
0: in that vein, just like the conversations involving the pigeons. <clears throat> exactly,
1: Eddie Murphy. Uh, when it was him interacting with his kids, or him interacting with his coworkers, or whatever, like when he wasn't going through the hacky bits of the script, he was charming enough, and I think that's probably why I didn't find it as annoying as I thought I was going to. Even though, like I said, I, this this was not great. I was just expecting to have to, like, suffer through every minute of it. And I got through it in one sitting, and I was like, okay, this is a family comedy, but I don't have high opinions of those in general. And what was going on with Eddie Murphy's hair? He had a weird, weird style going
2: on at that point. It was probably a wig. He probably came off of, like, Pluto Nash, where he had a shaved head.
3: Or he didn't want uh, uh, any of the animals, you know, to land in it or something.
2: Yeah, I mean, he... Famously afraid of animals, so maybe, you know, may, maybe he just did it just to cover his own hair, so yeah, nothing got caught in it. Who knows? I I heard would, he's
3: afraid know. of the monkeys.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Ba- no. Sorry. I think I'd rather watch <clears throat> an hour and a half of Eddie Murphy freaking out because he's near live animals.
3: <laughs> <laughs> in, in front of screen. a green screen.
0: Yeah. Put Eddie Murphy in a room and just chuck a hamster in there, see what happens. And they keep, they keep, yeah, there you go. There's our, there's our moneymaker. Lock Eddie, Eddie Murphy in a room. We start with a mouse. We throw a mouse in there. We just keep getting larger and larger animals as it goes on. Eddie Murphy talks to
2: animals.
3: Say hi to your mother for me.
2: <laughs> Did you see Perfect Storm Goat?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Pluto Nash Goat? Get out of here.
0: A tiger is going to jump. Good God.
3: Uh, yeah, there there was a, there was definitely a lot of issues. And as I remember uh, when this was out, it was a pretty big movie. Like, yes, it was huge. Oh, yeah. Which I just I don't. I don't fully understand. I mean, well, I just guess
2: never, ever underestimate the power of a generic family movie that you can take the kids to to make money, because every kid that goes, there's automatically an adult <laughs> with them at minimum. And there's probably two or three kids with them. You know, it's like so it's just they're always just going to sell like hotcakes.
3: But I mean, the <laughs> fact that it, it spawned what? How many did
0: we say? Like five? Sequels? Well, he made another one. Right. He, made, he was a little two.
1: Uh-huh. And then he, this there's a direct-through line from this to the Nutty Professor movies.
2: But I mean if you want to watch a movie with, you know, an actor acting with animals that's, you know, comedy but better, it uh Evan Almighty is a better movie than this, even as bad as it is.
3: I'd agree with that. I'm trying to think of another one. It's it's yeah, it's decent. I mean it's not fantastic, but it's decent. Okay. Uh I'm trying to think of other movies that are similar, but yeah. And then, you know, to go on and do a movie with one of his daughters and then do one with the other daughter and then do one with was it tail to the chief or something like that. I don't even know if any of the doolittles are even in it at that point. <clears throat>
0: it's just the dog, you know, okay, so this movie made two hundred and ninety four million dollars worldwide
1: uh, that's why he kept doing kid movies.
0: <clears throat> mhm let's see, yeah, let's and say- then the I'm sorry, the second one hundred and seventy six so Definitely oh. not as much, but still, that's nothing.
3: Okay, so the the last two were both with Maya Doolittle, same actress. Uh, and I
2: gotta admit, if something I did made one hundred seventy four million, I wouldn't be disappointed.
3: Right, you'd keep doing that thing for right. sure. Hey, if you if you want to watch a uh, Million Dollar Muts, which was the last one in the franchise, uh, Judge Reinhold is in it.
0: So there's. I don't
2: believe anybody said we want to do that. Yeah, there's that.
0: I'm sorry, Judge Reinhold. Well, but...
2: how 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 do we not watch that? Can you tell me how to do that?
1: Uh, no, do the same thing you do for the rest of you... Judge Reinhold's later career.
2: You're doing it right now. <laughs> it's true.
3: <Yeah. laughs> oh, that's a good point. That's a fair comment.
0: <laughs>
2: wow, so you can
3: tell
0: you can tell, how, you can tell how much we enjoy this movie because now we've decided to talk about Judge Reinhold instead <laughs> of Eddie Murphy.
3: You put a banana in the tailpipe.
0: Speaking of yeah, Eddie Murphy, movie, I
2: mean this movie was very. <laughs> average it wasn't horrible it, you know it's just another one of those that okay well we saw it we'll probably never see it again but we yeah. did saw it
3: i think i said that the first time i watched bits and
2: pieces of it yeah
3: here i sit
2: there's nothing remarkable about this movie and it's in its greatness or its awfulness it's just you know it was just a family movie that was made to entertain people in a in a theater one summer
3: yeah it's it's very formulaic you know yeah. gotta pull on the heartstrings poop and fart jokes
2: I
1: can't even, like, summon any sort of, like, irritation towards it. It's just, like, because I expected to be able to, but it's not that bad. It's just not good.
2: <laughs> and you can almost tell that, that, I mean, I don't I don't remember and I don't really care to scroll up and even look, like, how w- what the writing staff was. But you can almost kind of tell that, like, somebody wrote all the animal stuff and somebody else wrote the rest of it.
3: I never well, thought I, of it that way, but I think you're right. I 100% believe it. <clears throat> and for all we know, some of that, they're like, okay— in this scene, just say whatever. You know what would a bird yeah. say?
2: They could have just thrown these comedians into a, a recording booth together and just <clears> said, "You know, you're two rats. Act like you're rats.
3: Yeah, um, pretend you're a pigeon." Right. What would you say if you had a thermometer in your butt, Norman? Yeah, they, they're, like, they're like, "Well, what's again? the scene?
2: What's what's the scene? What's going on around you? Know, before and after? They're like, it doesn't matter.
0: You're two <laughs> pigeons. Just be Go. rats." Just be your I, pigeon self.
2: Am I in a burning building? It doesn't matter. Just be rats. Okay.
3: <laughs> what would a rat say? What does this have mm. to do
0: with the plot? There is no plot.
2: Just...
0: The plot you is Eddie.
2: Yeah, you have nothing to do with the plot. Don't worry about it. The plot is Eddie Murphy makes millions of dollars. That's the plot. <laughs> and we labor with no reward.
3: Pretty much. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it's like he called in a bunch of favors because when you think about the cast of people, you know, there's a lot of comedians. Uh, and, I, you know, you wonder how much of them were just like, Eddie's like, hey, you want to be in my movie? And I'm like, oh, okay.
0: I well, mean,
2: you got to work pretty hard to make Norm MacDonald land.
0: Yeah. And I enjoyed more. I mean, Norm is one of my favorite comedians.
2: Same. Yeah.
0: And I'm trying to see what, what did he do before, right before this? Dirty that, work? Uh, I'm just thinking of movies. I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. Dr. Doolittle. He was, okay. So this may be, this was two years after The Nutty Professor. And, oh, this was right.
1: after The Nutty Professor. Yeah, it was
0: after The Nutty Professor. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop 2 was in 94. And then he had just done the voice of of uh, Mushu in Mulan. So I'm thinking people were like, yeah, Eddie Murphy's doing doing family comedies now. They're, and everybody wanted to jump in there because they thought they'd get something like The Nutty Professor with the kind of blue humor. And he, he turned the dials to all family.
1: And then you wind up with Norm MacDonald just doing thermometer and my butt jokes. Wait. Wow. That blows my mind that this wasn't the inspiration for Nutty Professor. And it was the other way around. And I'm a little perplexed. Beverly Hills Cop was a, right around the
0: same time? Two. Two. I know, but three.
2: Oh, Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. But Beverly Hills Cop 3 was four years earlier than this. Between this, he was in Beverly Hills Cop. It was after this. He was in a Michael Jackson video. (laughs) Then Vampire in Brooklyn, Nutty Professor, Metro, Mulan, and then this. Yeah, you can kind of see that. That's a pretty uh, up and down uh,
3: list of films right there. Yeah. And I've seen most of them, but yeah.
2: Uh, this is my shocked face.
3: Yeah, and I mean he's capable of doing good things. I mean, we, and and even recent good things because we the Dolomite movie was he was
0: excellent. Well, like, and then two years after this, after Doolittle, he would do Bowfinger, <laughs> which I enjoyed Bowfinger. I know it I mean, gets a Eddie, lot of shit, but the one.
2: Career is some. <laughs> I like Bowfinger.
3: I like Bowfinger too. too. I laughed yeah, out so. loud in that. Yeah, yeah. there was some of course actually- I mix up Bowfinger and Norbit.
2: Yeah, Norbit oh. was awful. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I haven't seen Norbit, but yeah. Bowfinger, oh, had some oh.
2: legitimate
0: out loud laughs in that film.
2: Yeah, Bowfinger was a good, good. That was the one with yeah. Steve Martin. Yeah.
0: Yep. And now and that then, we've reached a point where we talk about all the other good movies that the actor made, yeah, well, yeah, I
2: mean Eddie Murphy has had such a highs and lows of a career; it's crazy. Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, from being one of the hottest like comedians and biggest like money makers on the planet to kind of a slow downfall. And, and just,
2: you was, know, just go from like you know Beverly Hills cop to you know, like the the, the job he did in Dream Girls, you know. I mean he was I, yeah. fantastic in that movie. Mm-hmm.
3: He's capable of really amazing things. And I, I mean I think it's he we're gonna see more good stuff from him, but you know, you gotta pay the bills and
2: Yeah, this was just one of his kind of phone it in type of movies. You can I mean the whole movie is is a phone it in movie. But yeah. it did exactly what it was supposed to do. <clears> you know, it filled the seats in the middle of summer and made everybody money.
3: Yep. Well, and I think somebody made a point earlier about, you know, doing a more toning it turning the dial to a more family-friendly thing. I mean, he had kids, has kids. So, you know, maybe he was trying to oh, well, play down I, I, that image yeah, a little he, bit.
2: I mean, he, I think I think it was in Comedians and Cars uh, <laughs> where he specifically talks about, yeah, he once he had kids, he decided he needed to start making movies that he would be proud to take his kids to. Hmm. Well, we, liked,
3: yeah. we did like uh The Coming to America sequel. It wasn't as good as the original, but it uh it did it the was, job. Yeah. His, was, kids, his
2: kids are starting to get older again. So now yeah, I think maybe he's starting to be like, okay, now I can get back in and making some a little bit more colorful stuff.
3: Do you think he's still got? and I this is I guess so we can avoid doing an Eddie Murphy show at this point after talking about all his films. Not that we'd want to, because uh, that'd be interesting. But do you think he'll ever do another stand up or will he go back to stand up or is he giving that up altogether?
2: No, he's that's another thing he was talking about in the in his comedian show. He's like he he's going back into, into stand up. He's just, but he's just doing like small venues and not like you know, he has no interest in advertising or anything. He just pops in every now and then. So if you're lucky, you maybe maybe you'll be be able to run into an Eddie Murphy set at a at a comedy show someday.
3: Hmm. I just wondered if he had another Delirious or Raw in him, but I think nowadays I probably wouldn't fly.
2: I think you should go watch that Comedians in Cars episode.
3: I've seen it, but I just, I don't, it's been so long ago now that I've watched it that I just don't remember. I I loved all those, but we already did that show.
2: Yep. Well, I guess we've beaten around the horse enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so uh, we are going to come back in a little bit and we're going to talk about Doolittle, the 2000... uh, version of this movie. But in the meantime, in the bridge you're gonna have the uh Geek Life Radio Song and Artist of the Week, which this week is Kirby Crackle with Comic Shop.
3: I love Kirby Crackle. I'm friends with him on Facebook.
2: Seriously?
0: Yeah. I've known
3: Kirby Crackle, the well the 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 main how's guy. His brother snap doing. <laughs> They've since Alpha Show days.
2: And how's their pop?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> These serial jokes doing it for you, Josh?
5: No. <laughs> Hanging with this girl, <laughs> it's like meeting my soulmate. Makes me wish every single day was I'll a Wednesday the comic shop. Show you all the I When I my when the comics I'll take you to the comic shop. what I thought. keep spending all I got. Keep reading
4: till the series. All
0: right, we are back. We are going to talk about Doctor Doolittle 2020. Uh, this is. Also referred to as The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle by three people. This is a 2020 American fantasy adventure directed by Steven Gagan. gagan Gone, yeah. Gone, Gone. Yeah. Okay. Dan Greger and Doug Mann based on the story by Thomas Shepard. Doolittle is the title character. We all went over that stuff. Uh, this is directed and writing credits by old Steve himself, who has also done such stuff as Traffic. I uh, always say this wrong. Serenia? Uh... No, scenario, scenario. Anyway, <laughs> Samsonite. Samsonite.
3: I was way off.
0: He also did the Alamo. Which what? You just yeah.
3: I'm looking it up because I I know I know what you're talking about, but I can't see the word in my head.
0: Cespourilla. Seth. Oh, I like. Siriana. Siriana. Yeah. Okay. Samsonite. So, yes. Oh <laughs> yeah, was way off. we we just talked about him a couple of weeks ago. This is the same guy who did the Alamo. Also, Dan Greger was part of the screenplay writing team on this one. You can always tell when you have more people on there who is known for such things as The Comedians, How I Met Your Mother, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend.
3: You know, the more writers you have, the better the movie is. Oh, yeah. That's more people rule. around
0: the table. That's, that's yeah. 100%. That's that's why they do it this way. <laughs> that's so why Doug, Homer used a writing team to write The Odyssey. <laughs> Doug Mann, whose uh, credits in- include How I Met Your Mother, most Oof. likely to murder and crazy ex girlfriend. Oof. Yeah. And then Thomas Shepard, who is the. Famous last, for the pie. Yes. Who was a writer for Doolittle. And all this was done by Hugh Lofting, who is currently spinning in his grave. Right. So, cast on this
1: one Robert Downey Jr.? Jurn-
0: <laughs> Robert in, Downey. In the,
2: in the role of Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah robert yeah, jr yeah. well
1: Mumbling his pronunciation cuts. of uh his name was better than his welsh accent so
0: mm. yeah he mumbled his entire way through this movie antonio banderas is king razuli michael nice part sheen, of the film 100 michael sheen completely wasted as dr Blair mudfly jim broadbent is lord thomas badgley jesse buckley is queen victoria tommy St- or harry collett is tommy Stubbins. Ka- Kazia Smutniak, are they messing with me now? As Lily Doolittle. <laughs> Smutniak. Uh, Carmel Lendio as Lady Rose. Ralph Inson as Arnold Stubbins. And Joanna Page as Bethan Stubbins. Those are all the human actors. Um, I'm standing by my statement that Michael Sheen was wasted in this. I agree. Especially because this was after um, Good Omens. And you could actually see how great he was. Uh, Emma Townsend did the voice of Polly the Parrot. Rami Malek was Chi-Chi, the gorilla. John Cena as Yoshi, the happy-go-lucky polar bear. Uh, Kumal Nanjan Nanjiani. Nanjiani as Plimpton, the ostrich. Octavia Spencer as Dab-Dab, the duck with a metal leg. Tom Holland as Jip, a loyal lurcher who wears glasses. He's the dog. Oh, lurcher. That's a weird way to put that. Yeah. Craig Robinson as Kevin, the red squirrel. Ralph Fiennes as... Barry the Bengal Tiger. Selena Gomez as the Giraffe. The Marion Cotillard as Tutu the French Fox. Francis de la Tour as Ginkgo who as the Fire Breathing Dragon. And Jason... Manzoukas. Manzoukas. It's late. As himself. As, yeah.
1: Yeah. But, but that's um, okay. Jason Manzoukas doing his thing is usually pretty good. Yep. Well, Francis de la Tour...
0: Um, she was the uh, the headmaster of the all-girls school from the Harry Potter movies. Oh. Madame Maxine.
2: The tall, yeah, the tall giant lady? Yeah. Oh,
0: interesting. So, I mean, they had a lot, again, just like the first one. <clears throat> a lot of great talent here, but the sum of the parts were, yeah.
2: Uh, there were only three things in this movie that made me laugh, and, and it was uh, the the ostrich and, and, and the polar bear and the, the dragonfly. Well, and it's all okay. because basically because I like those three actors.
1: Mm-hmm. There was a lot of interference from the studios adjusting to test audiences, and there was a lot of interference from Robert Downey Jr. Uh, in mm. the making of this film. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, we haven't done the trivia
0: yet. Yeah, I was just about to oh, say, okay. I'm, I'm, I just realized I'm that. Into
2: it. I'm, I'm sorry. I... <clears throat> yeah, no, no. I'll uh, so oh, back Robert up and talk about how much I hated this in a minute.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., he based his character on Dr. William Price. eccentric welshman he was now a revered historical figure in wales and there's even a statue of him in his hometown of lalestrant i'm not going to correct you on that
2: one i I don't i don't know what that was yeah i don't speak welsh so yeah
0: also this is robert downey junior's first non-iron man role since the judge in 2014
2: well that (laughs) explains a couple things actually
0: yeah uh, originally, they contacted Randy <clears throat> Newman and wanted him to be the first choice to do the score of the movie, seeing how his uncle Lionel Newman had involvement with the music in the nineteen sixty seven Doctor Doolittle.
3: You got a dog who talks. <laughs> you got a dog who talks.
2: Now here is left a... Paul, right Paul, left Paul, right Paul. Short
3: squirrel's and... got no reason to <laughs> live.
2: So about the music.
0: It was done by Danny Elfman. It literally did not sound. Usually you hear Danny Elfman music. You're like, that's Danny Elfman. You can yep, pick right. that out. It's so bland. <clears throat> Couldn't even, could not even recognize Danny he Elfman. Went, he sparrow. went
2: very easy on the percussion this time.
0: Yeah. They took away my
1: mallets. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, when, Why does he sound like Ringo?
1: Because <laughs>
0: he's sad. <laughs> I took away my mallets. I got no mallets.
1: <laughs> Danny
3: Elfman got no reason to drum.
0: So when Dr. Doolittle, 1967, was being filmed in Wiltshire, England, a young British Army officer attempted to blow up a dam built by the movie production team, believing it ruined the landscape. Okay, got that in your head? Yep. Ironically, the young officer was Ranulph Fiennes, the third cousin once removed of Ralph Fiennes, who voices Barry the Tiger in this movie. That's just weird it's a little strange, yeah. I mean, that's like that's like two levels down on the t- on the trivia world type thing, but
2: thought that was kind of neat.
0: So, Patrick, tell me how much you hated this movie. Go.
2: This movie sucked. That's my one-word review for it. Oh. Good. Um, it just I don't <clears throat> Excuse me. Um Robert Downey this being his first movie since Iron Man, it kind of makes sense now that you know he would have been itching to chew the scenery a little bit. So, I mean, I get once he once he decided, "Oh, I'm going to play a Welshman." and um and welshmen are notorious for uh being unintelligible so really? i think he did that just for him own, his own self so he could be like yeah i can i could really choose some scenery so that makes it doesn't make me like the movie anymore but it makes a little more sense
3: well you would think uh, michael sheen would have been correcting him cuz he's welsh
2: is he i don't like, know like he that.
3: speaks he speaks well i don't know if he's actually i just like know so that long? he did a whole thing about with um uh what's it got john hamm they did like this whole series and he about learning how to speak Welsh and it's on, on YouTube and it's funny.
0: Uh, but well, he speaks it better than
2: Robert Downey Jr. fakes it.
3: So it's yeah, it's like, why wouldn't he be like, uh, you know, yeah, the affectation
2: that he took correct. on for his voice, um, the choice for it, for him to be just a a pretty much complete uh, anti-social. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, they took it to the extreme, the whole he wants to deal only with animals and not people. But my biggest complaint about this movie and plot-wise and everything is why does the Queen of England only have, like, this little 13-year-old girl she can rely on? What the hell is that about? That was
1: your biggest problem? <laughs>
2: That Yeah, that was one of my biggest problems, because I'm like that whole end scene where she where, where she comes in with Doolittle and they save his, you know, the queen's life and everything. Like, literally, everybody's just standing around like we don't know what to do without this 13 year old girl around. And I'm like, like, you are an entire government. You are like you you are the empire that the sun never sets on. This is the leader of your empire. And you're just going to be like, um, well, without the 13 year old, we're just we're just going to let her die, I guess.
3: Uh, that annoyed I, me a lot. Can I just throw in real quick? On Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter for critics score was fourteen percent. Audience score seventy six percent. That's a pretty 76? big gap. What? Yeah, that's what? a huge gap.
1: There were a few things going on with this. Test audiences didn't get it, so they ended up going back and reshooting a lot, or re-recording a lot of the animal lines to make it more like the Eddie Mo- Murphy movie. Because this wanted to be a period piece. But then you've got uh, all the animals spouting anachronisms. Mm -hmm. Um, It's completely inconsistent. Like at the beginning, he's talking to each animal using its own noises. And then a second later, he switches to English (laughs) and addresses them as a crowd. And then how do the animals talk to each other? right oh that's a good one yeah not internally consistent i think this thing aspired to be pirates of the caribbean Mm -hmm. and only achieved being wild wild west
2: it's a movie that never really knew what it wanted to be like they had this serious plot line of he's he's in you know having all this angst for his ex-wife or his his, um his widow you know he's he's you know and it's so deep and everything about that and then at the same time they want to make poop fart jokes and and not at just the same poopoo time... fart jokes,
0: but let's pull a bagpipes yeah. out of the dragon's ass
2: jokes. And I was going to say, and then like at the end of the movie, which is a microcosm for the entire movie, they pull everything out of this out of their asses, just like they did for the script.
0: And no, here's another just... question: nobody was supposed <clears throat> to know where this island was. Nobody ever goes there. Nobody can find this place. Oh, we can't find this place unless we get the book from Antonio Banderas, who's going to try to kill us. Nobody knows where this place is. Where did all that armor come from? Uh incidentally,
3: we had ass jokes in both films. It's Um, true. Mm -hmm. And and I thought he was going to find his wife on the island. I thought that was going to be the.
2: Yeah, I did too. Yeah, the
3: ploy. And incidentally, the original Dr. Doolittle, well, the one that we did in the first half, 42% critic, 35% audience. What the hell?
1: the idea of pulling bagpipes out of the dragon's ass that was uh robert downey jr's idea that he pushed for how to have the climax of the movie
3: are you kidding me
1: not at all that's what i what i when i jumped the gun earlier i was talking about his interference that's what i meant see robert this is why you're an actor
0: yeah people tell you what to say
2: the, the the just the idea that the the entirety of your movie leads up to pulling things out of a dragon's ass and that's not I mean, like a – that's that, that's not a It euphemism. sounds like
0: one of our D&D games.
2: But... Right? That's yeah, what that's I was going to say. Yeah, it sounds like a mm-hmm. one-shot D&D adventure at Gen Con. At, at the end of it, they're like, womp, womp, you're just a human enema.
3: Enema of the state.
2: Stupid. But I still say the 13-year-old girl being the only savior of the, the Empire is bullshit. Well, despite everything else, that's the biggest bullshit in the whole movie.
3: This one kind of suffers the same thing that the first one does, which I think we kind of brushed over that you've got this cast of really talented people, but you don't have the script to back it up. I mean, I didn't hate that I watched it, but I also didn't find myself like loving it. That was
0: better than I thought it was going to be. No, that that phrase did not come out of my mouth. Mm
5: -hmm. It was like
3: that was something I watched. And it didn't quite do what I thought it was going to do, but it didn't do anything better than what I thought it was going to do. Well, it just kind of
0: existed. Did any of you also catch the executive producing thing? His wife. Yeah. Robert Downey, there was like Downey something or other. They they gave themselves a name. So uh, him and his wife were the executive, one of the executive producers and produced by. So they had money into that.
3: I mean... to, to be fair, the guy's got Marvel money now. True, with the way he set up his deal, so he he he's just wiping his ass with hundred dollar bills. But I just
2: I just don't understand. Like you know, if if you if you want to go and make your little passion project or whatever, fine. But why would you want to go out like this? I don't understand it. Like like he like it's, you're just kind of showing your ass in a way because like you know, if you're gonna have all creative control. And producer, production control and everything, and, and this is what you go for, like, why are you doing that to yourself?
3: Yeah, I kind of feel like after being Tony Stark for over a decade, that the first thing I would want to do if I was an actor would be, what's the most challenging kind of Yeah, like, I want to do a remake role. of
2: Dying Young or something. You
3: know? <laughs> right, I want to do something that challenges me as an
0: actor. Well, not I mean, that goes, not yet another
2: CGI filled, you know, crap fest
0: on the uh, complete other side of the coin from this. We've got um, Wolverine. Uh, I just lost his name. Hugh Jackman. Hugh, Jack- Hugh, Jack- Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman stops being Wolverine, does The Greatest Showman. You know, uh, let's say the guy who, you know, I remember telling the girls, yeah, the guy who did Wolverine, he put out a musical. and They're like, wait, what? And it was good. I've seen it. Like it wasn't an overwhelming hit, but it wasn't a bomb either. No, no, no. It wasn't a bomb, but it's it's it is. First off, Hugh Jackman has a great freaking voice, mm-hmm. and he you can tell he's enjoying and is really living it up in there. That like he what? he's like I've got my Wolverine money. I can do whatever I want. I want to do this.
2: One of my favorite jokes concerning Hugh Jackman was uh, I think it was The Daily Show. Uh, they were talking about the opening of the Tonys when it was – or the Oscars when it was Hugh Jackman and Neil Di- uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, Jackman. Neil Breen. Yeah, yeah Neil, Neil Patrick Harris and Hugh Jackman. And they said, it's the world's gayest straight man and the world's straightest gay man. Well, I thought it was funny. Fuck you guys.
3: Is that a joke from Doolittle?
2: Your face is a joke from Doolittle up the
3: butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Hey, hey, we're the monkeys.
3: People say we monkey around. We're too busy. Anyway,
1: (sighs) yeah, I compared it earlier to Wild Wild West and it wasn't just a dunk on it. I I got a familiar feeling from this movie as I did from that one where there were some ideas here that had they been allowed to fully develop could have been good. But they had to let these external forces meld it into something else. And Mm -hmm. by the time you get this Frankenstein's monster of all the pieces that are grafted onto it. Uh, it's nothing. It, it's not for anybody.
0: Well, we've said it before when we see the movies that are made by committee. You know, you've got everybody has to have their their say because you have so many people listed as producer on it that you get this amalgam of a bunch of stuff to make people who are sitting in a boardroom happy. And that strangely, seventy five percent of people liked. What the hell? They
2: made it. They made a camel. You know, the cigarette. A, a, no, a camel is a horse designed by committee.
0: I've never heard that. I haven't either.
2: Yep, That's from Parks and Rec. Um, Mark Brendanawich says it.
3: Oh, that's That's right. That's why you it. don't remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Low rent gym. Um, but I mean, that's true though.
2: Like anything done by a committee, you know, like if you tried to make a horse and you made it, you had a committee and you gave like basic guidelines. Camels, what they'd come up with.
3: Well, and it felt like this movie also they were setting it up for potential sequels, which I don't think are going to happen unless it's a direct-to-video thing where they replace Robert Downey Jr. with Judge
0: Reinhold. But you know, in the mean, I'm sorry, I just saw the the Shaquille O'Neal, uh, yummy, the yummy one where he's shaking back and forth, except it's got Judge Reinhold doing it.
3: Oh please, I'm a little <laughs> creeped out by that thought. Oh please, mm, somebody stuck a banana in his tailpipe. Wow, Yikes. wow.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, this had so much potential, again, just like just like the previous one. Got all I... these names, got all these voices, make a movie, and then someone have the go-nats to say, Robert, the bagpipe thing is stupid.
2: I mean, I can seriously say I enjoyed this movie less than, than I did the first one.
0: I was kind of thinking the same
3: thing, that I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't feel bad that I watched it, but when I saw the trailer for it way back when, I was like, I don't really have i have nothing this like i just it's mm-hmm. a thing that exists now but there were little bright spots or little things about it that were enjoyable like it was very pretty to look at
0: you know oh yeah lots of nice pieces great yeah i questions and things that happen like let's go down let's lasso the whales and let's have the whales pull the boat that was a pretty cool idea you know i didn't know he could speak whale but apparently he can <laughs> You know, that's there were some really cool kind of concepts, and the entire time they were on the island to get the journal was pretty cool.
2: I mean, Doolittle basically turned from a guy who could talk to animals into a superhero in this movie. I mean, he was a he was a borderline superhero. Mm. He, was, he was borderline Aquaman. I mean, Tony really. Shark. I mean, you could you could just what you know blow into a horn and you know the, the whales will come directly to your boat and you can hook up shit to it. Yeah, come on. I mean, it's, it's, it was kind of cool, but it's also kind of ridiculous. It's Like mm-hmm. Aquaman on land. Land man. I mean, just because you could talk to a whale doesn't mean you can convince it to pull your boat.
3: Unless it's a sperm
2: whale. What?
3: I don't know. Wow. Words. All right. Well. Things that are funny. And I thought it was kind of cool the way the dragon changed colors.
0: Oh, after but, they took the bagpipes out.
3: Yeah. It was kind of neat the way they did that. Not the bagpipes, but. And I felt like the CGI was decent, but it it, it was a little bit obvious that it was CGI. And I almost expected why to be. Because the animals were talking? I mean
2: <laughs> did that give it away for you Joel
3: well they created 2D an- or 3D uh, CGI animals but then they gave them 2D mouths it was weird I don't know why they did that I
2: mean if you're like halfway through the movie before Laura's like this is all CGI Joel and you're like oh damn it the stop shouting at gone. the dogs
1: right <laughs> I'm like why can't the dogs talk because you're not too little
2: you should be pulling a boat
1: <laughs> their mouths <laughs> right. need to be three 3- 2D that's <laughs> the problem
2: flatten your dog's mouths out what? I don't know all right, I think we're done with this. Oh yeah, we're we're definitely done. <laughs> totally done. I,
1: I was <laughs> done with this uh, about the time I got to the end of watching the movie. <laughs> so, Joel, what Yo. do we
2: have coming up on
1: the list? Wait, are we
3: going to thumbs up, thumbs down, or are we just assuming that we're all
2: Um died? anybody that's got a thumbs up, speak up now. There you go.
3: <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make sure it's a thing we do. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. I
2: know that's not the traditional <laughs> thing, but yeah, it's not a big surprise. It's just yeah. thumbs down all around.
0: Tw- Thirty minutes each of shitting on the movie, and then and with the twist,
2: <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I fooled I mean, you all. You are one hundred percent right. We do need to do it, but yeah, it was, it's formality at this point.
1: Yeah, they they both sucked. Thumbs down. Wow, that
3: doesn't happen very often where we have complete thumbs down.
2: Yeah, it was. A, this was board. a stinker. Yeah.
0: Huh. All right. All right. Joel, what else we got coming up on the list?
3: Ah, well, we're going to uh, be taking a trip to Jurassic Park and World to uh, revisit that topic, to discuss the sequels of the original franchise and the current franchise. Uh, We're going to be talking about fried food, uh, Mm. doing a food show. And um, we're going to be talking about uh, Get Shorty, the original Elmore Leonard classic film adaptation of uh, the book and the more recent uh, series with... Uh, Chris O'Dowd and Ray Romano? I don't
0: know, that's a weird... Is Ray Romano the
2: hitman? Does he play Chili Palmer?
3: (laughs) I don't know, and I'm curious to find out, to be honest. It looks interesting.
0: Yeah. So if you're looking for more of this, you can find us on uh, Apple and Google Podcasts or Blueberry Stitcher Talk We are on Podbean, Amazon Music. Like I said before, we're all over the place.
1: Yeah, and if you want to give us your thoughts, maybe you've got a hot take on why either of these Doolittle movies were worth watching. Uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727.
2: Yep.
0: I'm looking forward to researching the fried food show.
2: <laughs> hey, buddy, I'm I'm real sorry. I'm gonna have to have to kill you. No, that's a horrible Ray Romano. Oh, that's what bad. the hell was that? That was supposed to be a Ray Romano, but I can't do it. Instead, I, it I was forgot- Mr. Poopy
1: <laughs> Butthole a little
2: bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Accurate. <Louie! laughs>
0: You ever want to hear some good impersonations? Pat Patrick do Mr. Oh, Foopy Butthole doing was, Bray Romano.
2: That was not one that I could nail, apparently. Oh, <laughs> that was awful. I am ashamed. My, I, yeah, I must go.
3: He
0: sure is trying.
2: <laughs> oh, I have to, you go need hide, to go hide my head shame after that one, yeah.
0: All right, so we'll be back uh, next week with some more movies and food and shows and stuff. But uh, that's it for this week, and thanks for listening. I won't be here. I'll be at Impressions Camp.
3: <laughs> pulling a bagpipes out of your butt. Maybe that'll make you do it better. His impressions camp real.
1: <laughs> I'm have to be real.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. I haven't drawn anything in literally decades, and this is what I'm doing. This
2: is how I'm getting back into it. <laughs> oh, that's, that's strangely perfect. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it looks like a one-eyed penis flytrap getting punched by a hairy chicken.
2: like a one-eyed penis flytrap getting punched by a hairy chicken. (laughs) That that is a sentence that has never been uttered before in life. (laughs) Congratulations, Joel. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, Oh, God. No one has ever said that sentence before. (laughs) (laughs) Tonight
5: <laughs> I'm Yeah. Uh huh. So damn nerdy. I'll take you to the comic shop. I'll show you all the bills I drop. But when I grab my pull this box is when the comics drop Whoa. I'll take you to the
4: comic shop But are what I thought i keep spending all I got Keep reading till the series stops Whoa.
5: You can have it your way how do you want it? You could wait for the trader, you could back if you want it. Appeal rising as you go, head out to Dark Horse. Reading Dr. Horrible, rooting for bad holes. I'll break it down for you now, baby. It's simple. If you read X-Men, I'm reading X-Men. Which Witchblade, FF, Uzagi Yo, Jimbo, Main Street, whatever you into. Got my eye on you. I'm a strange doctor. Have your friends teasing you about how nerdy I got you. Wanna test my geek knowledge? Girl, no problem. Like Batman's crime scenes, girl, I'll solve them. I'm a seasoned vet when it comes to this place. They know be my name. They give me birthday cake. I'm trying to explain, baby, the best way I can. It was a ton of iron fists, yeah, before anyone. Yeah, shop, I show you all the bills I drop. When I my pool, when, is when the drop. I'm- Walking dead girl, nice and slow. Wanna hear my favorite part? Well, here you go. It's when Rick pocket and they ran off I see you walk through the door and the boys start to whisper it's like it's a race girl to see who helps you quicker head turns like a spinner rack gathering your books fanboys tripping off your nerdy good looks you read the right series yeah at the right time taste can bloom with your favorite heroes on uh, mine so reflective on the passing of the elf she bought a minibus to put up on a figure shelf as long as she ain't stopping homie I ain't stopping by every book every week back on board boredom and boxing hanging with this girl <laughs> it's like meeting my soulmate makes me wish every single day was I'll a Wednesday. i comic shop. I'll show you all the bills I drop when I my rocks, the is when the will take you to the comic shop. For all what I
4: thought I keep spending all I got. Keep reading till the series
5: Whoa. I'll take you to the comic shop. I'll show you all the bills I drop when I my when this is when the comics drop Whoa. I'll take
4: you to the comic shop But things are what i thought. I'll keep spending all i got Keep reading till the series stops
5: Whoa. I'll take you to the comic shop Show you all the bulls I drop The winner that my bulls box When this is when the comics drop Whoa. dress on I see you at the next comic-con with your glasses on (laughs) I hear the glasses on